Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to talk to you about how to have the best year you've ever had in your life. Now, you know what? I know everybody's going to be talking about, since this is 2020, they're going to be talking about 2020 vision. Well, you know something? The only way to get 2020 vision is to see things from God's perspective, because He is the only being who has clear perspective on everything that is happening, everything that's going to happen, how you can live through anything that's happening and have a, an incredible life. And that's exactly what Jesus came for. Jesus came and said, look, I'm going to make it where you can have the best life possible. Now, in King James English, that would be, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Or some translation says that you might have life to the fullest. That's what God wants. He wants you to live the fullest life possible in a world that's gone crazy in a world that's in a mess, in a world where there's financial chaos, and there's going to be more financial chaos. And besides, besides what's good in the world, there's just the financial chaos in our own lives. And you know what? I'm going to be sharing some incredible things with you throughout this uh, program this month that's going to help you know how to move past financial chaos. But you know, we, we're, we're calling this month resolutions without self-destruction. Now, and I just want to touch on this just briefly. Most resolutions, first of all, they are going to fail. You make a resolution on January the 1st, most of your res resolutions will fail before the end of that month. And if they don't fail and you keep finding ways to move your boundaries for life or push past your boundaries for life, they'll actually cause self-destruction. Because if we do not change and influence the beliefs of our heart, our, which establish our self-perception, which establish the goodness of God in our heart, if we do not feel like the success that we're having, that, that this is what God wants us to have, and if we don't feel like we're worthy of it through the Lord Jesus Christ, then the real truth is, uh, we will self-sabotage. We will, we will either destroy the successes that we make or we will destroy ourselves so that we can no longer have those successes. Now, I want you to realize something. The main reason you fail has little to do with your talent. It has little to do with your skill. Uh, and even if you don't have the skills and the talent and the knowledge right now, you can get the skills, talent, and the knowledge. The reason people fail is because of the boundaries that are established in their heart. What, and the biggest boundary of all is, is if you're a believer, is, is this something God wants me to have? Now, religion has convinced the average believer is convinced that God has some kind of prejudice against people being wealthy and successful. The irony of that is when you look back at history, 
the, some of the most wealthy, influential people in the world, you know, were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Joseph, and people, you know, people that God used and established, uh, they were incredibly wealthy. And let me tell you something. Wealth is only bad when, number one, you put your trust in it. Number two, you obtain it through ill-gotten means. Number three, uh, you don't have a generous heart. And if those factors are not in place, I guarantee you wealth will absolutely destroy you. But that does not make wealth evil. You know, if you're breathing and alive, uh, you can get into sin. So does that mean that God doesn't want you to breathe and be alive? No, it means he wants, when you're breathing and alive, he wants you to use the energy and the strength that you have to, to live a godly life. Eating too much uh, can, can mean you're a glutton and it can destroy your health. It's, it's a form of committing suicide. So does that mean God wants people to quit eating? No, it means God wants you to follow his wisdom, eat healthy foods, take care of yourself and that sort of thing. But how is it that we take this concept of, of success or wealth or money and, and, and twist Jesus' teachings to say, well, then it's evil. And so God doesn't want you to have it. Well, that's stupid. Like I said, if you, if, apply that to every other place. Eating, so you, uh, should we all stop eating because some people misuse it or because you've misused it in the past? No. Should you stop breathing because people who are breathing get into sin and commit murder? No. This is, this is so bizarre. You know, Jesus, one time he talked about how difficult it was for, for wealthy people to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, remember, the kingdom of God is a realm that you enter into that where you're surrendered to Jesus as Lord. And man, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. You know, the reason believers have mediocre lives is because very few believers have surrendered to Lordship. Very few believers I ever talked to are managing, you know, their finances, managing their marriage, how they're raising their kids, how they're making their decisions. Very few people actually have any concept of how to use God's word to make uh, decisions. In other words, there is no wisdom. Wisdom is when you can take truth and, uh, and have practical application, know how to put it to practice in people's lives. So people are living like fools. A fool is somebody who just will not learn by instruction. God has given us instruction to tell us how to be wise, to tell us how to succeed, to tell us how to do all this. We ignore all of that and just kind of do what comes natural to us. And our life, and the whole time we're saying, God, uh, make me successful. Oh God, get me out of this financial trouble. Make my marriage better. Uh, uh, make my kids stop being savages. And, and the sad thing is, uh, uh, we're not doing our part because we don't really know who God is. We don't really trust God's words. We don't trust God's wisdom. We don't put it in practice. We think that faith is working magic. We, we don't see faith as, okay, God said this is how to manage this part of my life. And so this is, this, I'm going to put this into practice and I'm going to trust God to, to, to bring all the pieces together. No, we think faith is where you do stupid things and then you talk God into fixing it for you. Well, that, that's not faith. That's not the Bible. That's not God. That's not the path of righteousness. Now, the Bible says in the path of righteousness. Now, righteousness is not perfection. We are made righteous through the Lord Jesus Christ. And by surrendering to him, we, you know, because we've been given the gift of righteousness, then we enter into the kingdom of God and we enter into this realm where we say, Jesus, you're my Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take every bit of the word of God, not just the New Testament, 
the Old Testament because all the Old Testament is actually what Jesus and Paul and everybody taught. The covenant was different. The contract was different. The arrangement was different, but the truth was still the same. And so we enter this realm. So I'm, I'm going to put this in practice, Jesus, based on the way you taught it, the way you modeled it, the way you showed it. And the Bible says that having been made righteous through faith, we have peace. Oh, peace, man. You know, that word peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which, has, which is, is, is healing, prosperity, success, a peaceful state of mind. I mean, it, it's an incredibly inclusive word uh, with the promises of God. But to the Hebrew mind, and Paul had a Hebrew mind, when he talked about peace, he talked about this realm that you enter into where you are tranquil, you are calm, you are not afraid, you are not tormented. Why? Because in that state of peace that comes from righteousness, in that state of peace, you recognize that you have access to all the resources of God. And I'm telling you what, that is, you're talking about something that'll calm you right down? It's like when you're facing a challenge and you're like, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know this, Here, here's God's resources, here's the promises of God made to me through the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I, this is the outcome I choose, and I'm just going to listen to God, I'm going to follow God, and, and I'm going to reach that outcome. don't know how, I'm, I don't have a map to get there other than to know this is, where, this is what I choose. And man, that's faith, right? Right there is faith. So, so what happens is we make these New Year's resolutions or we make these big decisions about how we're going to change our life, but we make those decisions more about the pain and the difficulty we're going through. You know, uh, uh, I think we talked about this in one of the previous messages, which, listen, if you haven't listened to the previous two messages of this month's series, go back and listen to it, because I'm laying a foundation to take you on a journey that is just going to be incredible. But there's a difference between uh, godly sorrow and the sorrow of the world. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And the kind of repentance that the Bible is talking about with godly sorrow is the repentance where you turn to God to make the right decision. You turn to God and His Word to implement. It's not just, it's not just turning. You know, you can turn and go in another direction just because, uh, just because you're tired of the pain that you're getting uh, from the direction that you're walking. And that's what God, godly sorrow is about, it, though, is, is about this Lordship of Jesus. It's about turning to Him and trusting Him, trusting His Word, listening to the Holy Spirit, and, you know, living your life on a whole new dimension. But the sorrow of the world is when you're just sorry for the consequences. You're just sorry that you got caught. You know, I, I remember back when Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart, all these people were going through their, their, their big failings. And I'm not, I'm not bringing this up because I'm critical of those guys. I, you know, I, I think they've worked their stuff through. I think they dealt with it. I think, I think, you know, I think, I think, I thank God that they're still in the ministry and they're, they're still doing something. But, <clears throat> but you know, the thing, when most people get caught, they all have the sorrow of the world. In other words, yeah, they're crying and apologizing, but the real truth is uh, uh, they're just sorry they got caught. And hopefully at some point that turns into godly sorrow that says, you know what, I got to quit this foolishness. I, I, I got to trust God. I got I to walk with God for my life, for Him to be the center and the core of my life. So 
It says, that, it says that godly sorrow brings about a repentance, a turning into God that will not be repented of. In other words, you're not going to change your mind about it later. It says, but the sorrow of the world works death. Why? Because, listen, if you're not walking the path of righteousness, you're not walking the path of life. Because the Bible says that in the path of righteousness, there is life and there is no death. If you're walking in the wisdom of the world, if you're walking in self-centeredness, self-gratification, you may get out of this predicament you're in right now, but you're just, you will just be here again. But, uh, but I want you to understand something. The number one repentance that we need to do in this area of making new resolutions and turning our heart to God is we've got to reject this religious nonsense that says that God wants us broke and poor and suffering, and that's how He makes us holy. That's how He makes us righteous. That's not in the Bible anywhere. That's religion. That came straight out of paganism and was brought into Catholicism, and then we brought it into, into uh, uh, Protestantism, and, 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 and it's worked its way through the faith movement, the charismatic movement. Every movement, except for, except for certain aspects of that movement, have bought into that, that whole thing, the suffering. Uh, 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 penance is taught more than repentance. <laughs> so <clears throat> we got to repent. We got to turn to God and say, well, wait, what does your word say? Well, God's word says that he gives you the power to get wealth. God, and that word wealth is bigger than just money. It's success. God's word says that God will make you prosperous and will add no trouble with it. God's word says that he delights in the prosperity of his saints. I mean, you can go on and go on and go on. Look up, listen, go online. If you don't have, if, if you don't have a good uh, a word search program, go online and find you a good word search program and look up the word wealth and success and prosperity and, all, and even desires. God wants to give you the desire of your heart. Some people say, well, that means he's going to give you the right desires. Uh, it could mean that, but really the truth is it means he wants to give you the desire of your heart. Now, he wants to give it to you in a way that doesn't destroy you. You want a happy marriage? God will give you a happy marriage. You say, yeah, but I want, I, I want a happy marriage by getting that person's wife or that person's husband. No, that, no that'll destroy you. But God will show you how to have happiness where you are. And if that where you are blows up, he'll show you how to have that happiness and find some somebody that, that, that you know that, that you can be compatible with, where you can live that kind of life. But the point is, God is not against you having the desires of your heart unless those desires will destroy you. And and sometimes the problem is not the desire, the problem is how we're trying to fulfill that desire. So see, Jesus came back because his disciples were like, they were, man, they were shook up about this whole thing about, about how that wealthy people is almost impossible for them to enter the kingdom of God. And so they said, well, look, how can anybody be saved then? And he, he said, look, I'm not, what, I, what I'm talking to is those who trust in riches. Actually, wasn't, he didn't say, I don't think he said the wealthy people, he said the rich people. He says those who trust in riches, the problem is not that they're wealthy, the problem is that they trust in it. Now listen, <clears throat> you've got to get your heart established in God's desire for you to prosper, but you've got to be fully committed to God's process so that you walk this path of your New Year's resolution. You walk your path of repentance. Because remember, every time you make a decision, it is a form of repentance. 
But the question is, 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 is it godly repentance or is it repentance from, from the sorrow of the world? Is it repentance and saying, you know what, I'm living like a fool. I'm going to start trusting God. Or is it repentance that says, I'm living like a fool. I'm just going to find another way to live like a fool. This is why this, I tell you, this, this special offer that we have for you this month, this is why this is so incredibly important. We, I'm providing for you the key tools, wired for success. And listen, we, we were wired for success, but I'm telling you what, we have been programmed for failure by religion. And this book, not only is it full of God's principles for living in success, but it's full. Every chapter has exercises, hard exercises to influence your beliefs. But also with this special offer, we have a heart physics program called Limitless Living. I use this for myself and for other people more than any other program to help them identify their limiting belief, where they got it, and how to get all over it. And then as a special for you, if you purchase those two, whether you buy them as a, as an MP3 download or whether you buy the hard copy, you will get a a free download of my book, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. And I'm telling you, this is going to take this is going to take your heart beliefs uh, uh, and your ability to understand how to develop your heart. It's going to take you from just doing this around success and and these things to every single aspect of your life. It's going to show you how to live a life of effortless, uh, painless, positive, effortless, permanent transformation. And I tell you, when you, when real repentance happens, you change the beliefs of your heart. When you change the beliefs of your heart, I'm telling you what, it, it becomes, it becomes permanent. Now, last week we talked about this process that you go through that destruction develops in your heart. Now this week, I'm going to show you that you go through the exact same steps when you're establishing your heart in the Word of God. See, the heart works the way the heart works. And the Bible teaches us how to develop or to persuade our heart in a godly way so that we get the godly outcomes and they happen effortlessly. See, once something gets in your I am not interested in teaching you how to do something. I'm interested in teaching you how to be something. This is the laboring to enter into rest. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the tools, the process for how you can transform the beliefs of your heart. Now, the laboring is the effort you put into transforming your beliefs. But once you transform your beliefs and establish them in your heart, then the transformation is effortless. You're not trying to change. You're not trying to become something different. You're not trying to just get a new skill set. You are taking yourself, you're taking yourself through the biblical process so that who you really are in Jesus can manifest and that everything that happens in your world happens pretty much effortlessly. Man, I, I love this. But let me mention this. You know, God took Abraham on a journey. And he took him from Ur of the Chaldees, and man, I'm telling you, oh, you're talking about the life lessons in Abraham's journey. And it, it took Abraham uh, uh, years to get his heart established to fully trust the promise, the ultimate promise that God 
had made him about him having a son and, and through his own offspring between him and Sarah, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And actually, as near as I can calculate, it took at least somewhere between 40 and 42 years between God, when God called Abraham for him to get fully persuaded, fully convinced. And see, it's not really faith until you're fully convinced. When you're not fully convinced, you waver. You kind of, okay, yeah, I see this. I see it's kind of got this. And then something happens, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm back over here looking at my circumstances. And then you kind of, uh. but once you become fully convinced, you can look at all the circumstances around you. You can look at every obstacle. You can look at everything that you're facing, and you're just kind of like, those are there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk over them. I'm going to walk around them. Or I'm going to walk through them. But it really doesn't matter because I am immovable about the promise of God in this situation. Man, I'm telling you, you talk about life at its best. So, you know, Romans 4.20, and I'm not going to go into this, but, but I am going to read it. He's, he talks about Abraham. He said he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Why? Because he was strengthened in faith. How? Giving glory to God. Well, that word glory gets into acknowledging God's promises, acknowledging God's perspective, acknowledging, acknowledging God's version of reality versus our own. Now, this is, and being fully convinced, one translation that I love says fully persuaded, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was counted unto him as righteousness. Now, we think about this being counted as righteousness. Okay, God, he, he's, he's counted as being perfect. No, the word righteousness gets into as it should be. Righteousness is when I harmonize myself with God. Abraham harmonized himself, his beliefs with God. And he, his behavior then aligned or got in harmony with his beliefs. And once you get your beliefs in harmony with God, then your behavior will get in harmony with your beliefs. And there you, you just find yourself being who you need to be. Now, we all go through this. I'm, I'm going I'm to hit the negative side of this real quick. Like we talked about this last week. When, when a problem comes into our life, we feel stress. We feel annoyance. We, you know, we see it. It's getting on our nerves. Well, the way we're designed, we have authority over ourselves. And if we do nothing about a problem, then we have defaulted in the way our inner man works. It's like, oh, you're doing nothing about this. So obviously you want to keep this. And if you want to keep it, you got, you got to feel good about it. So we, we, we keep it so we stop noticing. It stops driving us crazy. And once we do that, we go into the adaptation phase where we start adapting and changing our life to match this belief that we, ha that, that we had to create. We had to create a belief to accept it. We had to create, uh, actually, this adaptation phase takes us to justification. That's where we got to justify this. So I'm going I'm to find some scripture. I'm going to take it out of context. I'm going to come up with an excuse or something. And once I do that, then this becomes who I am, you know. This becomes my identity. And once something becomes your identity, now it's established in your heart and you're going to resist changing even if it's killing you. That same process is what happens on the life side. There's not different steps. The heart is the heart. The heart works with what the heart works uh, and you use it for good or bad. So, all right. So, whenever we see the need to take on a new belief, anytime you're you're cycling through the same failures, the same situations, the same limitations. 
uh, making the same mistakes over and over again. One of the things you know is this, that is happening because of a belief of the heart. Until you, until you change that belief of the heart, every time your life reaches a certain level of being happy, being good, being fulfilled, being prosperous, something's going to happen. And if you take yourself through that process, you, you, you'll develop the, the other shoes going to drop doctrine. In other words, you'll start getting nervous when things get too good because you know it's going to fall apart. Well, it doesn't have to. Just because it does, doesn't mean that it has to. So here's the deal. So I notice a need in my life. I, so, so I start feeling lack. Now, so like I said, when I start feeling that lack, I can either take the negative path, the destructive path, or I can take the life path. And so when, when I, when I, when I have a need, that's an annoyance. That's a, that's a distraction. So I can either go into denial and stop noticing or I can say, wait a minute. I'm going to start noticing something else. I'm going to fix my attention somewhere else. And this is where you take a promise of God that promises you you don't have to be living in that. And you start meditating on it because Jesus said the only way to get the word of God to grow in your heart was to meditate on it. Jesus also said that if you keep thinking about these other things that you've heard, these other things that you've believed, it will cause thorns to grow into your heart and they will always choke out the Word of God. They'll always destroy the promises of God. So the way you stop noticing those things is you start looking somewhere else. You put your attention somewhere else. Now, when you first start meditating on, on the Word, you start imagining yourself living in this promise of God. You start seeing and envisioning. That's what God did. That, that's how God created the world. He conceived it in His heart first before He ever tried to speak it. And so then what happens is now you start adapting to this, this, this outcome. You start moving yourself to where you... you you're seeing yourself as not just having something, but being the person who thinks that way, being this individual. That's why you're not just trying to believe for the promise. You're trying to believe for the person who is living that promise. So that takes you into that adaptation phase. And then you move, then you will move into the justified or the justification stage. But the difference is this is where you justify having a better life than you believe you deserve because you're in Jesus. This is, you know, so, so this is not just about positive thinking. This is, about, this is about acknowledging the life that Jesus died to give you. And, and when, when that becomes your, your focus and your attention, then, then your heart begins to change and you begin to take on a new identity. It's, this is not just what I can do. This is not just what I can have. This is who I am. You know, if, if you get to where you can't see yourself broke, then I got news for you. Even if you lose everything you got, you'll always come back because you just can't, you just can't live somewhere. You can't see yourself. Or you can't, you know, that is not a, that's not the reality of God. So that's not your reality. You choose another reality. And so you will always come back to what your identity is. So what happens is now... Now that you've established your heart in success, now, not, not just in success in general, but now that you've established in your heart in the fact that it's God's will for you to succeed. It's God's will for, for you to enjoy this abundant life that Jesus came. Now that becomes my identity. But see, that, that actually in and of itself begins to guard my heart. And then, and then now circumstances See, I resist change. I resist having an, I resist agreeing with anything that denies my, my identity. Whatever my identity is, good or bad, I'm going to resist it. I'm going to resist the Word of God if I've got a negative, destructive identity. 
I'm going to resist a negative, destructive world if I've got a godly identity. And so you find yourself then living in this place where you always feel safe. It's actually this place that the Bible calls rest because you're no longer trying to make anything happen. You're no longer trying to get anything to work. You're just resting in what works. Now listen, man, I have flown through this. Listen, this thing about success, prosperity, a good life, this is so foreign to your heart. If you don't do something and really invest in your heart, you'll never get this. You'll intellectually get it. You'll intellectually agree with it, but it'll never work. Be sure and get my special offer this month, Wired for Success and the Heart Physics Exercise Limited It's Living and the free download on Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. Because if you establish this in your heart, it will become reality. Now listen, this program's helping you and you're watching on YouTube, be sure and leave comments and share this with other people. Man, we want to bless the world and set the world free from lack. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.